Thank you for listening to this sermon from Renaissance Church located in Montreal, Quebec. For more information about Renaissance Church, please visit our website, renaissancemtl.com. If you would like to know more about how you can partner up to see the gospel advance in Montreal, please send us an email at renaissance.mtl at gmail.com. But again, um, we're so grateful to gather this morning. Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to be in verse 17 through 32. Um, If you've got your own Bible, go there. It's going to be on the screen as well. Uh, Look it up in table of contents, whatever you want to do, Ephesians chapter 4. And what we're going to see in our scripture today, Paul, he's the first missionary, is writing a letter teaching the Christians in a city called Ephesus that they should no longer live like they used to. You just heard Graham say, put off our old self, put on our new self. Right? Paul refers to them, or he refers to Gentiles, which is another way of saying the people around you who don't know God or don't care about God. In that time, they were people worshiping all kinds of other gods and doing all kinds of other things. And so Paul uses this imagery of putting off old clothes and putting on new clothes. So Paul wants them to know that as Christians, their lives should be different. And it should change the way that they act and interact with the world around them. So, Ephesians chapter 4, 17 through 32. So we're going to read it and go from there. Let's read together this morning. Paul says, Now I say this and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desire, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness." Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak with his neighbor, their members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, giving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Let's pray this morning again. We thank you for your word, God. We ask that you would speak to our hearts this morning. We pray that your spirit would enlighten us to be able to understand what you're speaking, to see, God, how we can fix our eyes on you and walk in obedience to you. So, God, let our hearts be soft, let our hearts be ready to hear. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Think of these some scenarios with me. You love your family. But sometimes, and far too often, 
you get angry and you snap at them. And for a brief moment, it feels good to be angry, but then immediately after, just as quickly, you feel awful and you regret it. Okay, think about the people in your life. Mostly, you get along with the people in your life, but you also know how to use your words to cut like a knife. You know what to post or what to say in a text or what not to say in a text to manipulate someone and harm You know that it would be better to be kind, but it can kind of make you feel good to make your point and try to be right. Try to make someone else feel stupid. It's really easy to hurt people with your words, but you know that it's not right. Think about this. You know the things that tempt you, the things that get you in trouble, and you mess up, and you do it, and you fail, and then you swear you'll never do it again, but you feel like you keep doing the stuff you know is wrong. And you don't want to do that and you feel ashamed and you feel frustrated. I know all of these things far too well and I'm guessing that you do also in some way or another. And so today, the Bible has something to say to us today. Ephesians wants to help us deal with these old patterns of thinking and living and wants to show us a new way to have actual change in our lives. See, for us, the temptation is to try to make Jesus a nice little addition to our lives rather than a whole new like, way of living. To say, yeah, Jesus, that sounds good. I'll just kind of add that in. I'll believe that, and I'll believe this, and that seems, he seems like a great guy, right? Right? And like foolish people, we try to put Jesus on top of our old ways of thinking and living in the same way, same way that you would try to put on a new, clean set of clothes on top of filthy, dirty clothes. It just doesn't make sense, right? We are facing an ongoing battle that is trying to pull us back into our old way of living rather than living for God. And in all of that, we need help. Because apart from Jesus, we won't make it. We won't stay faithful to him. We won't live lives that point others to him without his help. And spoiler alert, like he's ready and willing. He wants to help us. He loves us and he loves when we come to him with our brokenness, with our mess, with our weary lives. That we come to him because Jesus is ready for us and he's waiting for our humility. Because he wants to bring change in our lives. So this morning, you're going to hear this multiple times. Authentic faith in Jesus results in actual change in the way you live. Authentic faith in Jesus results in actual change in the way that you live. And I believe that's what Paul is trying to communicate here to the people in Ephesus. Three major points this morning. Walk with, them, walk with me through them. Here they are. Take off your old clothes. I did not say take off your clothes. That would not be... Right, take off your old clothes. Number two, put on your clothes. And number three, let everyone see your new clothes. I was gonna say outfit. Guys don't wear outfits, so I'm not gonna say that, right? I'm just gonna say clothes, right? If you're a lady, you can think of that as your outfit, right? So let everyone see your new clothes. All right, first point, take off your old clothes. And we'll see this in verses 17 through 19, and then again in verse 22. All right, in 2012, I did a race called a Tough Mudder. 
right? It's basically a trail race with of mud and obstacles. Looking back on it, it was one of those things that was like super fun and just actually just super off. How did I do that? Like this, like you climb over these things, you have to under these like watch, you get shocked, like shocked. Look it up on YouTube, Tough Mudder. I did it with some friends. All right, so here's a picture, right? Um, this is afterwards. It's kind of hard to see. I have a black shirt on, but then I am absolutely covered in mud. At the end of the race, I mean, I was covered in mud. Like, it took forever to get cleaned off enough just to be able to change into other clothes. And that was not even likely taking a shower and stuff. So I was fully covered in mud. So think about that scenario, right? You see me there, my, my orange headband on. That's what you get when you finish the race, right? Um, right? It would have been crazy for me to just put clean clothes on over my muddy clothes, and to continue on with my day. It would have been uncomfortable. It would not have been, like, I just would have been, I just would have gotten the new clothes all dirty again, right? But that's the picture that Paul is painting for us here. He says we need to take off our old clothes, or what Paul calls the old self, right? In verse 17, he says, he says, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. So right from the beginning, he's telling these Christians, he says, hey, don't live that way anymore. That's not the way that it means, the way, that's not how we follow Jesus. Don't live the way that you used to. And in the next couple, Paul describes those who do not follow God. I mean, that was like that. Paul uses some words. He says, futility of their minds, ignorance, like all these kind of things. It's like, whoa, Paul, chill out. But here's what Paul is trying to say. Paul is talking about spiritual deadness, emptiness, right? He's describing the hearts of those who are far from God. He says they're alienated. It means they're like, doesn't mean that there's aliens. It means that they're cut off from God, separated from God, ignorant of the things of God. Their hearts are hardened. So Paul is not saying, hey, you guys are stupid. You guys are idiots. No, he's saying, spiritually speaking, you are not aware of the life of God. Because you know this to be true, and I do too. It is possible to be filled with knowledge, yet be spiritually ignorant. Very, right? There are brilliant people in this world that don't understand the ways of Jesus because they are spiritually darkened. And that's what Paul's talking about. He's not, he's not like mocking them and like, you know, putting them down. He's saying, this is the life that these the Gentiles live. They are not aware of the work of God. So Paul says, um, he's talking about spiritual deadness and emptiness. And then in verse 19, he shifts a little bit and he talks about sensuality. He, right? he says, they have given themselves up to sensuality. That's this idea. If it feels good, do it. Right? It's easy to live life that way. And people all around us live life that way. And we do too often. Where we say, maybe I should or shouldn't do this, but it feels good, so it's great. I'll do it. Sensuality, doing whatever feels good. He says greedy. They're greedy to practice every kind of impurity. They are craving sin. They are craving what gratifies the flesh, the sinful nature. If it feels good, do it. So Paul paints this picture of the Gentile people. Bleak but accurate picture of human nature. Right? It's describing me. It's describing you apart from the work of Jesus. It's talking about the old self, the life in the flesh. You look at verse 20 and 21, Paul says, verse 20 says, but that is not the way you learned Christ. He's like, so wait a minute. But then verse 21, he says, this is not your story. 
And in verse 21, he asks us to think for a moment. He says, assuming that, right? He says, but this is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you got him and were taught in him. Paul wants to check our hearts. Paul wants us to say, wait a minute. Have I truly put my faith in Jesus? Is my faith authentic? He's like, listen, that's not the way you're supposed to live. But make sure that your life is belonging to Jesus. He says, I'm just, I'm, I'm assuming that all of us have put our faith in Jesus, right? That's what Paul is writing to them. And for us this morning, we have to check our hearts. We have to say, God, we need to define the relationship here. We need to know what's going on. Am I fully yours? Does my life belong to you? Is your faith authentic? And Paul's asking them to think, have you made a clean break with your past? Are you ready to walk away from your old life? And these are questions that every person has to face in the life to say, to examine ourselves. Do I belong to Jesus? Have I surrendered my life to him? Or have I said, I think I'll try to add Jesus in and see how it goes rather than saying, God, everything I have belongs to you. Verse 22, he says, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And that, that, that phrase of put off, it's the, the, the word picture that Paul is painting is that of a garment or clothing. He says, like a dirty set of clothes, put off your old self. He said, that, that's not you anymore. That belongs to your former way of life. And he says, it's corrupt through deceitful desires, right? The Bible is sometimes intense in language, right? But here's what he's pointing. He says, that is a life that is not honoring to God. It is not the way that God intends for you to live. He says, these deceitful desires, like we have to recognize our hearts are sinful, are deceitful. We can't trust ourselves, right? All of us have heard, be true to yourself, follow your heart, right? Is this good advice? No, it's not. Because our desires lie to us. Paul says they deceive us. Our hearts deceive us. Ultimately, we don't need to be true to ourselves. We need rescue from ourselves. We need help. Because we're not going to, and we know that inherently. Deep in our hearts, we know that if I'm left to myself, it's not going to turn out very well. Right? We need rescue. We don't just need an upgrade. We need a totally new self through Jesus. And what Paul is saying is here is we need to take off and get rid of our old clothes, our old self, right? So get rid of your old clothes. Part, point number two, put on your new clothes, right? You don't want to just stop with take your clothes off. We want to put something back on, right? Here we go. So um, in these verses, Paul says, don't just get rid of your old clothes. Put on new ones. In verse 17, again, we already said it. He says, don't live that way anymore. You must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. And then we saw in verse 20, he said, this is the way people are. They're far from God. They're cut off from God. But that is not your story. That is not how you have learned Christ. You are different. Paul says we're to put on the new self, new clothes, obviously metaphorical clothes, right? And he says these are created in verse 21. He says created, oh, sorry, verse 23, 24, sorry. Created after the likeness of God in true holiness and righteousness. What he's saying is this, that we put on new clothes that are made available to us, a new self that is available to us through the cross, through what Jesus did on the cross. It's only a work of Jesus in our life that renews, he says, renewing our minds and making us new, right? And true righteousness, 
which means being right with God. And holiness, which means, which means being pure the way that God is pure, is not made possible by our own effort or goodness. It is only possible because of Jesus. That he lived in complete righteousness and holiness. So Paul is saying we need to put on these new clothes that are made of righteousness and holiness. They are given to us by Jesus and what Jesus did when he died on the cross for our sin. Right? And so what do you do? Think back to my picture covered in mud. What do you do with those filthy, dirty clothes? What do you do with your old life? And what we see here, he says, you take that off, and then he says, you're renewed in the spirit of your minds by the work of Jesus, and you put on the new self. If you were really filthy from dirt or dirty from working in the yard or doing something, and you go in, and either A, you just get in the shower without taking your clothes off. That'd be just weird, right? Um, or you get in and you, like, shower, and then you don't put on new clothes, right? That's weird as well, right? Just track with me. All three of these things, what Paul is pointing to, we get rid of, we walk away from the old life, and we allow Jesus to change us. This is when we hand our lives to him. He puts his righteousness, his cleanness on us, and then the new clothes that we put on are living in a way that honors and glorifies him. And these new clothes we put on are the pure white clothes of Jesus. No longer filthy, torn, and worn out, but instead brilliant and beautiful. You are not like you used to be. If you have given your life to Jesus, you have been made alive in Christ. And all those things that Paul said to describe the way the Gentiles were, alienated, futility of the minds, callous, that is the story if you are in Christ. You have been alive with Christ. You have been brought into the family of God. But we feel the battle between the old self and the new self. The old kind of keeps poking its head up and trying to drag us back into doing what we think is right, whatever we think feels good. And every day we need Jesus. We need to put on the new clothes that he gives us. We need to know I'm righteous, I'm right with God because of what Jesus has done. With cleansing work in our lives, we need his renewing work in our hearts that every day he makes us new. And if your faith in Jesus, your life has changed. And Paul would say, stop living the way to live. Put on your clothes. Authentic faith in Jesus results in actual change in the way you live. Point number three, let everyone see your new clothes or your new outfit. And this is where Paul gets practical. And so this is supposed to be, I mean, he was being very practical with them this morning. So this is where I want us to think about what does it look like if I put, take off the old clothes, put on the new clothes, if I in the manner that God has called me to walk in, what does that look like in my life? All right, so let everyone see your new clothes. Now, be honest, if you get new clothes, you can't wait to show them off, right? Can't wait to take a selfie, post, hope to get some comments, maybe get some in real life. Oh, that's a nice shirt, that's cool, that's cute, whatever it is, right? So verses 5 through 32, the rest of this, this, these verses here, it's Paul's way of saying, people around you see your new clothes. Let them see that you are different. New clothes are meant to be put on and worn around town and kept hidden in your closet. 
So Paul gives some specific areas that show actual change in our lives. And on first glance, these could look like little things, right? But they're not. All of them have to do with the ways that we interact with others and how they see Jesus in us. So there's five Paul points to here. Lying, anger, work, work, attitudes, right? In each of these things, there's a pattern. It says, don't do this, but instead, do this. And all it points back to the fact that change is necessary, right? We can't take clothes off and be on with our life, right? We can get arrested for that. Paul says we put clothes on. And so we don't just say, yeah, I'm not going to do that. But instead, Paul, Paul also says, here it should do and makes it practical. So know how we live lives of interacting and honoring God in our lives. Because our authentic faith in Jesus and it brings, it results in actual change in the way that you live. So let's talk through some of these things. The first one Paul points to here is lying. So Paul wrote this for a reason. And it seems like that in the church there in Ephesus, people were lying to each other. And think about that. When people lie to each other, it means that there's a lack of trust. Like in a sense, like I can't tell you the truth because I don't trust you with the truth. Right? You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's easier to tell someone what they want to hear or what will make you look good than it is to speak the truth in love. So there, there was, apparently there was this issue of lying because Paul says, put away falsehood. Let each one of you speak the true neighbor for we are members of one another. And so Paul says, stop, stop lying, stop posing, stop deceiving, stop flattering and manipula manipulating and talking about people behind their backs. He says, speak the truth. Why? He gives a reason. He says, because we are members of one another. Paul's about the church here. He's saying, speak fully to each other because we are connected to each other through the work of Jesus. Lying to each other only pulls, only hurts the church. And so seeing the, the, Paul's already talked about this in Ephesians. We've talked about this in previous. Like The church is a visible example of the work of Jesus. The unity that comes for a bunch of people that all together look to Jesus and have the, a connection because of Jesus. So Paul says when you're lying to each other, you're just tearing apart. You are members of one another. He's saying when we trust in Jesus, that enables us to begin trusting each other and speaking truth. So think about your life. In what ways do you need to stop lying today? To stop pretending? To take off your mask? And I don't mean your literal mask, right? I mean that self that you poured that you don't want people to know the real you, Right? And I would say this, so you're watching online or whether you're sitting here in the room, my hope and prayer here at Renaissance that you can be yourself. You don't have to come and lie by trying to put on a face, be something different, right? I, I need to be that way. I, I need to be self here. We don't have to just put on a happy face and smile and nod and move on with our lives. Paul would say, stop lying. That's, it's, it's, it's a form of just not being you, right? So come and be yourself. And it takes trust, and it takes humility, and it takes vulnerability. But let's be old. Let's learn to trust each other 
And can we get process? Yeah, it's human nature. That's life, right? Later, Paul says, forgive one another because you're not perfect. So Paul says, stop lying. Secondly, Paul talks about anger. These are verses that you may have heard before, right? Be angry, this is verse 26. Be and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. What's going on here? Think about anger. Anger is a neutral emotion, right? It's possible to be angry and not sin. But it's also possible and often far more likely our anger to be the overflow of sin in our heart. Both are possible. There, there, obviously, there is a right anger, but there is also an anger. Sinful anger is the overflow of a selfish heart. And so Paul is saying, if you're angry, be angry for the right reasons. There's plenty of great reasons to be angry at things. Right? To be angry at sin in our lives and around us. To be angry at injustice in the world. To be angry at the brokenness that we see in the world. And there's plenty of reasons to, that are not great reasons to be angry, which I would say stem from our selfishness and just wanting things our way. In my way, I get ticked off, I get angry. That is not what Paul is talking about here of righteous anger, right? So what Paul says, he says either, either, either type of anger, whether it's like this righteous anger, this unrighteous anger, he says don't carry it. Don't keep being angry. He says it leads to bitterness and resentment. He's telling us to deal with unrighteous anger, right? And that requires examining our hearts and confessing our sin and dealing with our own selfishness and pride, right? We have to deal with that. But we also have to take our righteous anger, the things that we have a good reason to be angry about. He even says, hey, don't, don't hold on to that. Give that to the Lord. He can handle it better than you because either of those, those things just cause us to be bitter, and angry. I don't know if you spend much time online, spend much time on social media, um, Twitter specifically. People are very angry on Twitter, um, and and so like, it's this. It shows itself. It's anger that builds up, and it's bitterness, and it's resentment, and it leads to hate, and all of these things. And so Paul is saying, in your anger, in the ways that you are appropriately anger, angry, don't sin. But he's also telling us. There's, there's two, it says, be angry and do not sin, and do not let the sun go down on your anger. The first anger, that word there, is a righteous kind of anger. The second word there is an unrighteous kind of anger. We see one word, but Paul had two words going on there. We have to deal with our anger. And so often, he says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Okay, many times I think this has been applied to marriage. Don't go to bed angry. That's good advice, right? You, if you're having a conflict or whatever, if you're with your husband or wife, and it's good to deal with that, or at the very least say, you know what, let's talk about this tomorrow. I love you. I'm not angry at you. We just need to talk about it more. That's okay, right? But so often it's been applied that way, and it's good advice, but it applies to all the relationship life. If you are angry at someone, don't let it continue. Because what does Paul say? He says, don't give a foothold to the devil. Well, it seems intense. What are you talking about, Paul? He's saying, don't give space, don't create a space in your life for Satan to come in and make you bitter and more angry and more resentful and hateful towards someone. And when we hold on to our anger, it creates that little space there where we're just bitter and angry. And it's gonna lead to a broken relationship or broken relationship. And your life, maybe the sun 
has been going to anger for a long time. And maybe it's created bitterness in your heart towards certain people or certain certain sins or certain groups or whatever it is. And maybe it's created broken relationships. You can look back and see, like, yeah, if I'm honest, it's because I had undealt with anger and bitterness. But what Paul's saying here are the results of putting on the new self is that we deal with the anger issues in our lives. We humble ourselves with the people around us and we continually run back to Jesus, being renewed by him, getting help from him to deal with anger. And when that anger comes, we remember the new self, that through Jesus, my soul is secure in him because anger, the wrong kind of anger, immediately comes and says, hey, it's not gonna be okay. You're not gonna get your way. It's not gonna go the way you want it to go. And yet when we remember a need is in Christ, he satisfies my heart. He is enough. The anger melts away. The world is full of angry people. What Paul is trying to tell the Ephesians here is that you guys can be different. The church of Jesus can be different because of the peace and the like rest that Jesus brings in our hearts. It brings us to a point where we say, maybe things aren't the way that I want them to be, but I'm just gonna trust Jesus and I don't have to be angry about it because what's that gonna do, right? Living as non-angry people in an angry world will stand out. People will see Christ in us. So anger. The next thing that Paul points to, he talks about work. How many people love the idea of work, right? Work's a good thing, right? Um, you know, up and my dad would give us jobs like he would, like we lived in the country, and he would give me a bucket, and he'd say, you see that side of the yard over there? He says, I want you to put as many rocks as you can in that bucket, right? And I would fill the thing. Like, and he taught me, like my dad taught me how to work hard. Hard work is a good thing. But what Paul says, he's, in verse 28, he says, hey, stop stealing and do honest work. And it's like, man, why are people, what's going on in this church? They're lying to each other, they're stealing, right? Historians tell us that stealing was typical in first century Asia Minor, right? And there's mountains around Ephesus, and in the mountains there were bandits all over the place that would like rob people and take things. It was, in a sense, a kind of normal way of life in first century Ephesus. And Paul is saying, stop stealing, right? He's telling the church to break free from some things in society that seemed normal. But Paul says, this is not honoring to God, honoring to each other. Stop stealing. Stop doing everything your culture does just because it seems normal. We need to hear that in a lot of ways as well. Because we are different. Paul says, you're different. Don't steal. Don't steal people's time. Right? If you work for someone, if you're just lazy at work, you're essentially stealing their time. Right? Um, he says, don't steal resources. Okay? We very, very practical. Don't walk into a store and steal things. That's not the way that honors Jesus. Right? Okay? Don't steal other people's pr- Don't cheat. Don't cut corners. Don't make backroom dirty. Don't be greedy or seek to get rich quick or what old school would call unjust gain, being like, oh, it's easy. If I do this and kind of cut some corners and be a little sneaky here, I can get a lot of money back, right? Paul says, stop stealing. He says, but then, 
work hard. Work honestly. And he doesn't, like, he doesn't say, he doesn't stop there. What's the last part of that? He says, so that you can be generous. Right? When we have the right perspective, work and money, things like that, it's not just for us. We don't just work hard just so, hey, I worked hard. No, we work hard. We're faithful with what God gives us so that we can be generous. There's a guy that lived a long time ago named John Wesley. And that he, he gave, he said, he said, make all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. I think that's what Paul's talking about here. He says, work hard. He says, do something with your own hands. Work hard so that you can honor God with your work and so that you can have the ability with whatever means you have to be generous to others. God wants to bring actual change in our lives. And as the church, let's be people who work hard, who work honestly. Because your work, no matter what it is or where it is, right? if your work is spreadsheet, just studying, or if your work is meetings, or if your work is changing diapers or preparing food, whatever your work is, your work is a way to bring glory to God and be generous to others. Remember, Paul's talking about seemingly small things. Lying, your anger, work. But these things make a huge difference in the way the world sees Jesus in us. Paul goes on, he talks about our words. I'm gonna speed up a little bit, right? You guys with me? Everybody shake your head, nod, okay? Don't, don't like pull your mask up over your eyes and just check out, like, right? So Paul then, he goes and he talks about their words in verses 29 and 30. And he's, essentially, he says, your words are powerful. With your words, you say, you tear others down or you can build them up. Verse 29 says, Paul says, don't tear people down with your words. Don't do it to their face. Don't do it behind their back. Why? He says it brings rot. It brings corruption into the church. He says, instead, use your words to encourage and to build up. He says, don't let corrupt talk tasteless talk come out of your mouth. And I would add, don't let talk your fingers with your phone when you text, when you post, when you comment. These are our words. In verse 30, he says only, in verse 29, he says only speak things that are good for building up as fits the that it may give grace to those who hear. Verse 30, he says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now remember, Paul is writing to Christians. He's not writing to non-Christians, right? And his point is this, is that anything, he's specifically talking about words, but that anything that is inconsistent with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit's nature, grieves him, saddens him. Paul says, when your words are tearing people down, God's heart breaks because it's not what he wants. It's not what honors him. When we tear people down, we grieve God because we are forgetting the work of Christ in us and the work of Christ in them. We're creating a hierarchy, seeking to make ourselves better. And this is the opposite of the gospel because the gospel means that every one of us is on level ground, broken and in need of Jesus. And when we start putting people down with our words, we're elevating ourselves, saying, I'm better than you. You're not as good as me. I can say what I want to you. And Paul says, this is not right. Our words need to build each other up. Our words are a glimpse into our hearts. 
into either the old self or the new self. So ask yourself, what's coming out of my mouth? Am I building up or am I tearing down? Lastly, Paul, uh, I kind of lumped these together, but Paul's talking about attitudes. Verses 31 and 32, he says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. You hear that list of these things, of bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor. That's a weird word. It just means like noisiness, chaos, right? Slander, tearing people down, malice, hatred, these things. These are a set of attitudes and actions that are hurtful to others and have no place in the church. Paul says, get rid of these things. Instead, be kind. If you'll stop, if we'll stop and think about it, imagine how far kindness will go in your life just to simply be kind to someone, even when they're not kind to you. He says, be kind to one another. Be tender-hearted. What does that mean? It means that we have a heart that's soft, a heart that knows how to empathize, a heart that knows how to say, you know what, I don't know exactly what you're going through, but help me understand. Tender-hearted, forgiving. Paul's saying, this is the way of Jesus. This is describing how Jesus is towards us. It's the result of hearts changed by Jesus. What's the end of verse 32 says? Verse 32, forgiving one another. Why? As God in Christ forgave you. None of this is Paul saying, guys, don't be mean. Just be nice to each other. That's not the point. Paul is saying, listen, if you truly understand Jesus, if you truly understand the good news, the gospel, You'll understand that you deserve nothing, yet God has given you everything. And if we truly understand it, we understand I have been forgiven of much, therefore I will forgive other people of much. And what Paul is bringing them back to is understanding the gospel. Gospel means good news and understanding that because of our sin, we are separated from God, yet because of the love of God for us, Jesus gave his life on the cross and we can be forgiven. And it's not because we work hard and clean ourselves up and do better. We're forgiven even though we don't deserve it. And so Paul says, forgive one another because if you remember correctly, God forgave you. <laughs> think about, and we can all like think about my own self and think about the ways that I have failed, attitudes that I have had and the words that I have said and the ways that I have hurt people and God has forgiven me. And all of these negative attitudes come naturally to us. But Jesus wants to change our hearts to make us look more like him, to form in us a new community that looks nothing like the world around us. Authentic faith in Jesus results in actual change in the way you live. This is what Paul's trying to communicate. When you put off the old self and put on the new self, your life will look different. The way you act and interact will change. And this is what God is calling people to. God is calling us as his church to holiness, right? Not perfection, we know that. 
in a sense, spiritually, through Jesus, we are made perfect. We are made right with God. But as we go through our lives, we know that we struggle, that temptation is there, that sin is there. And yet we are called to, little by little, look more like Jesus, to show the world the goodness of God through the way that we live, through not lying to people, through not letting our anger be bitterness and hatred, through not being lazy and not hurting people with our words, right? This, this is what Paul getting at. That we as Christians can live in a way where your neighbor notices, your boss notices, your family notices that people will almost be confused about you. Like, what is going on with that person? Why is she being kind? Why is he working hard? What is different? Paul's saying, let the world see your new clothes. Let them see what Jesus has done in your heart. As we close this morning, we are so tempted to keep running back to our old, dirty, stinky clothes, right? We want to, we, and, it, and it's, it's foolishness, but we do it. We run back. We want to put them on again. Oh, it feels so comfortable. I like these things. And yet, what Jesus is offering us is something so much new, more something new, something better. We keep running back and wanting to put them on rather than putting on the new spotless clothes that Jesus has given us. And so this morning, maybe you're here or watching online and you've put your faith in Jesus. You've surrendered your life to him. But you know the pull and you feel like you keep running back and putting on those old clothes. You keep running back and living in the old ways. You keep doing these things that Paul has said don't do, right? And today I would challenge you, examine your life. That's what Paul told the Ephesians to do. He says, check your heart. Examine your life. Is your faith authentic? And my point in saying that is to not make anyone doubtful of their salvation, but rather for us to say, if I keep living in old patterns of sin, Maybe there's something deeper going on. Maybe I haven't come to God in a way that's just like, God, I'm yours and I need you to change me and to fill me and to make me new. If so, today be reminded of your new life in Jesus. If not, put your faith in him. If this is new to you this morning or you struggle or if you know, like, I don't think I've truly surrendered my life to Jesus. I've said that. I've kind of done the church things. I've said these things. But today, the door is wide open for you. God is saying, come to me to just say, here here I am. I surrender to you. But maybe you have not put your faith in Jesus. And what Paul described in the first part of our passage this morning, that describes you. Cut off from God, separated from God, spiritually ignorant. And I'm not calling you ignorant, but I'm saying you are dead spiritually. That's what the Bible says. But today you can come alive. God is inviting you to come to him. And here's what he has done. God loved you enough that he sent his own son, Jesus, that Jesus lived a perfect and sinless life. And Jesus died on the cross. He suffered where we should have suffered. He died for you so that your sin can be forgiven. And he rose from the dead, conquering death. Because before that, we're all subject to death. 
Like death is the natural way of things and spiritual death is the natural way of things. Yet Jesus conquered death so that we can be made alive. And the way that we have that in our lives is through faith. Right? Putting off our old self and putting on the new self cannot be done through our effort and work. What Paul, Paul is not saying to the Ephesians, hey guys, get it together. Work hard. Be good. Be nice to each other. It's not what Paul's saying. Essentially, Paul, that's, Paul's not saying, guys, be more religious. Be more churchy. No, Paul is saying, the work is already done. You just got to put those new clothes on. You put on the new self and live in the new self. Because it's only through faith in Jesus and the work of Jesus that he graciously says, come to me. Put your faith in me. Turn away from sin. Turn away from the old life and you can be made new. Authentic faith in Jesus results in actual change in the way you live. I'm going to ask Annabelle, go ahead and come up and you can start playing. This morning as we prepare to worship and to respond, I would encourage you, examine your heart. Allow God to search your heart. Be honest with yourself. Have I put my faith in Jesus? Or maybe you just simply have questions about that. Then talk to one of us. Talk to myself or Dylan or Graham or one of our wives. Talk to us and say, hey, I got questions about this. I think I'm a Christian, but I'm struggling here. I think this, and, and I'm struggling in these ways. But we invite you to come and say, I've got questions. I don't know where I am, but we're a community, and we want to invite you into that, and there's no bad, there's no wrong answers. There's nothing like that, and so come and ask. Or maybe today you just need to say, Jesus, I need help, and I need to put my faith in you. So we're going to worship and then in a few moments we're going to take communion together. And so if you'll look back there, there's little plates and there's uh, uh, cups with juice, right? And so if you're, if you're new to us, if you're new to this, I'll, I'll explain this briefly. Um, um, if you've been involved for a while, then it may be not new to you. Um, but communion or the Lord's Supper is something that we do as a church from time to time that is meant to remind us of the work of Jesus. It is, is a symbolic thing that Jesus, when he gave his life on the cross, the Bible describes it, that he shed his blood for you and I, that he's, his body was broken. He didn't deserve it. He was perfect and holy, and yet he willingly took our place. And so communion is a way for us to remember and be reminded that Jesus died for you and I. He gave his life, and that bread represents, it's a symbol of, a reminder of the body of Jesus that was broken for you and I. And that juice represents the blood of Jesus, right? Some people, this can be really weird. It's like, what's going on? Why are you drinking blood? No, it is meant to remind us. There's nothing magical that happens in that bread or that juice. It is simply a way for us to pause and be still and say, God, let my heart be reminded this morning of what you have done. It's a time to examine our hearts. It's a time to say, am I at odds with someone else in this church? Have I sinned against someone? Has someone sinned against me? Do I need to pursue forgiveness? It's a time to make that right. 
because communion is, it has a lot to do with the unity of the church, the union, the unity of the church, bringing ourselves back to a place where we say, Jesus, my, my, my trust is in you. I'm reminded of the good news of what Jesus has done, that he gave his life out of love for me. So we're gonna do that in a moment. But as we begin to sing this morning, let's, let's worship together. My encouragement to you is to say, God, what are you speaking to my heart? What do you want to, to do in my life this morning? Thank you for listening to the sermon from Renaissance Church. If you have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more, please feel free to contact us by email at renaissance.mtl.gmail.com or reach out to us on social media. It's our passion to love Jesus, love each other, and love our world.